0: Everybody, this is Patty Negri. Welcome to the Witching Hour. We have a great guest for you today—author, priestess, and magical girl all around, Heron Michelle. But before we get to her, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Yep, if you are listening to this on the first week we drop, which is the week of November 22nd, it's Thanksgiving for all you U.S. folks, and it's th- every day should be Thanksgiving for all of us anyway. For all you not. US folks cuz gratitude is everything and we'll keep talking about that. Um but if you want to know what's going on this week, where is Patty this week? I'm all over the place again a little bit. Um I don't know if any of you are with me this weekend at Scared and Alone. Um it was my first time doing the Scared and Alone with my my paranormal folks. Um really fun. I'm sure it was really fun because again, I'm playing with time here, but it was fabulous um so have a happy thanksgiving on tuesday i am doing my tuesday class i'm still in town on tuesday so i am doing a class on psychic development and dream magic so psychic development is good for anybody whether you think that you're psychic or not because you are and dream magic i have lots of techniques like my dream school where you could talk to people while you're asleep you could learn stuff while you're asleep you could develop your gifts while you're asleep And that's the only time I ever have free. So tune in Tuesday, go to universitymagicus.com if you're interested in my psychic development and dream school. Um, Sunday, I've just finished my Seance series. I've got some other series coming up. I'm going to start a tarot series. I'm going to start a paranormal investigation series. Um, So all sorts of really great things coming up. Um, Friday and Saturday, now here's another opportunity. You, if you're live anywhere near Virginia City, Nevada, my favorite haunted place on the West Coast, um, we are doing a live at the Washoe Club and at Mackey Mansion. You guys can come. We have very limited, like 24 people can come do a seance with us and investigate with us. So go to Spirit Realm to look that up. And if you can't happen to get to Virginia City this weekend, you could watch it online. We're going to live stream also through spirit realm network. So no excuse. Come play with the old minor ghosts and ladies at Virginia city with me. Um, other than that the next week i'm going to be in dallas if you are in or want to get anywhere near the dallas fort worth area for a really witchy weekend the weekend of december 4th and 5th i'm going to be doing workshops seances private sessions at my favorite uh texas metaphysical store well it's one of my favorite metaphysical stores anywhere miracles of joy so you could look up miraclesofjoy.net or DM me or go to my website to find out about that. It's a really fun, very immersive weekend in witchcraft and empowerment and magic. And who else knows what we find? And the weekend after that, the weekend after that, we can't wait. It's Vegas, baby. Yep, the very big Para Unity, MGM Grand. We're taking it over. All the cool kids are gonna be there. If you go to paraunity.com or look on social media, everybody's there, and I'm going to be there with my My Paranormal Family. We're going to have a private little room, and we're going to give you stuff that you can come take photos with us, all sorts of great stuff, gift bags. Um, I'm also going to be there with my books and have signing my books for folks. I'm going to be doing a little speech at 10.15 on Saturday, Um, not quite from my book, Old World Magic from the paranormal world, since it's a paranormal conference, kind of combining what it's like. Taking my gifts, my magic, my witchcraft, my mediumship to a paranormal investigation to shows like Ghost Adventures or even Master Chef. So I've kind of turned it into this beautiful paranormal thing that's free for everybody, 10:15 Saturday, if you're at the Peri Unity. But check it out, and I'm going to be posting lots of stuff about what we're doing with my paranormal. As soon as they tell me, (laughs) but I'm going to be there with all sorts of great folks of my paranormal family. So always check out myparanormal.net, and you will find the witching hour. You will find Patty Negri's haunted journal and you will find Bridget and you will find Dean and you will find everybody. So check it out. And I think that's all I got. That is all I got. That is all I got for this week. Guess what time it is. It is time for the willow report. Yay! Eight months old. She hit eight months old. And have I told you about my good dog? No, not the terror dog, not the bad dog, not the naughty dog. This is good dog Willow because she saw a behavioral specialist, a behavioral specialist dog trainer yes and this guy was brilliant he really is a dog whisperer his name is Michael Michael chill if you ever need a dog whisperer because guess what it is like common sense it is using psychology on dogs just like we use on each other in the weirdest way but all this little naughty dog that everybody has a comment (laughs) um he, he showed us the most amazing things in one hour, like her, she would never come to us before. Now she comes to us every time. Common sense things like say her name and then squat down on the floor and she'll come to you. Oh, easy. Say your name and run away. She comes to you no matter what. And it starts the habit. So I just want to introduce to you for the first time in eight months. My very good dog, Willow. She's learning all sorts of things. And, um, you know, she's still working on some of it, but I have no other news except that I have a good dog. So, huh, puppy? We're going to keep practicing, but if this is way better than her flunk out at Petco Puppy School. The guy tried real hard, but psychology works better. Kind of like magic, I guess. Anyway, that's the Willow Report. Did you have any other comments, Willow? Did you want to say anything? Do you want to say anything about your trainer? Bye. <laughs> So without further ado, we're going to go into magic lesson. Magic lesson, because every week you need a magic lesson, right? This week, I thought, as we're getting into the holidays, and all of a sudden, all these stations I listen to are doing holiday music so far, which I think is weird. I think you got to not hit Christmas or Yule until after Thanksgiving. I'm just into brown and orange until Thanksgiving, and then you hit the red and green holidays. See, I'm keeping religion out of that. But, but, but they're playing holiday music. And you know when that first, whether it's a Christmas carol or whatever hits you, it shifts something, it changes something. It's the power of sound. And I'm not really just talking Christmas music here, but forever and ever and ever, sound magic has been a part of magic. It's certainly a part of big of my magic because forever, forever, every culture, every light has Use music or sound to attune, to invoke, to transform your consciousness in every which way, whether it's chanting, whether it's singing in church and choirs, whether it's drum beat around a drum circle, whether it's the piano, whether it's the organ, whether it's the bells, whether it's a, a Tibetan singing ball. Sound affect us. And what that is, is the vibration of sound. It's actually science because science and spirituality, they're the same thing with different words. Um, we know vibration, everything sound is vibration. It's vibration is energy and energy is what changes us. So change your mood, change your life, change everything by Putting on a song, if that's all you need to do, it's crazy as that is, think about it. Maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe you're, whatever reason that you are, you could sit and wallow in it. Or what if you put on your favorite kind of music and rocked out for a while or balleted out for a while or whatever it is you wanna do. What if you put on something like spiritual tunes to you or pagan tunes to you or get into technology, binaural beats and subliminal meditation tapes. Maybe you wanna get into ASMR and, and hear weird sounds and relax into it, but all that comes together. What makes it a sound is sound. But my favorite kind of sound magic is voice sound magic, hecka work. I, it's heka work. It's a form of Egyptian magic. But again, it's what ties everything together. It's why often you rhyme and do cadence in witchcraft or in cherm, hymns in church. Da, 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 da. It's all about the um, movement of things. So again, I'm just re- actually going right from my book because I wanted to talk about the difference of sound. When it's your vo- vocal sound, this noise, when you make it from your mouth, you are putting your life force into it. You've heard me talk about this before. Your breath is your pneuma, your life force. The moisture in your breath is your free will. So whether you're going, uh, you know, hello, Dolly. Well, hello, Dolly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not a singer. But, you know, if you're, if you're doing show tunes or whatever, or you're singing... A chant, or you're making a wish to the gods, to the goddess. Okay, I want a love spell. I want a money spell. The sound you are doing, that is why I do a lot of chanting, whether it's my ma chant, ma, or you're doing the money spell, money here, money now, money come to me, money here, money now, money come to me, money. That sound is making all that vibration, which is vibrating every cell in your body. Um, I'm not, I, for, just in the simplest, I'm not gonna give you all the letters because weirdly every single letter has an effect on us. The basics of it though, are our vowels are for force. Just think about ha, A, E, I, force, the force of power within it. And consonants are the form. It works like with the signs, form, a P, a T. We are forming the force of whatever. So you could start creating your own magic within that my favorite though is vowels any vowel any order it clears the head it's a power vowel if you want to think about it every every sacred word is a vowel almost (laughs) amen in church or temple Oh, after a yoga class, falling in love. Ah, hey, hey, ah, uh, hey, uh, around the campfire or hey, uh, hey. whatever that is. This vowels you are sending out your life force. You are sending out this vowel sound, which opens this up and creates all sorts of magical things. Um, again, I do talk about that a lot. Let me give you some other ideas of what we are doing. Again, I don't have them memorized. I just put them in my book. So. Uh, uh you dragon you because I'm saying you you maybe you've heard me or some with my TFI up E-O, we are calling in spirits you is actually a dragon vowel it's it's nature into action think about that if you need nature into action you and thinking of the word like you is what it is um it's force it's power a is a vowel that brings birth, life. A, like amen or amen. A. Um, uh L is the dragon of the land. Uh, uh. So you're getting the dragon of the land. And the Z is the serpent. It's the lightning strike. It's the it's 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 between here and there. It's that lightning strike between heaven and earth. It's divine wisdom. So again, we do a lot with the Zs, the S. Whether you're in a yoga class with Eastern philosophy or you're doing witchcraft and magical things, we're doing the zzzz, just like in my balancing exercises. So with even with that little bit of knowledge, you could certainly look up the meanings of sounds within it. But what if you make up some of your own by how it works for you? Whether you need a specific chant or you need some magic or you just need to change your mood and you want to turn on some good old-fashioned rock and roll from your mother's old album of Elvis or something. Go for it, because it is real magic, because it is real vibration. And all it is is energy, and we are energy. So remember, when you need to shift, when you need to create, when you need to let go, when you need to do most anything, put the sound, mind, body, spirit. That's it. That's your magic for this week. Sorry for the singing, guys. and today i've got somebody i am so excited to get to know because i think we have kind of similar magic here and she's really accomplished and been doing it a long time so let me introduce you to heron michelle heron is a witch priestess artist and mom she's the founding high priestess of the sojo circle coven having created a training program in modern witchcraft and has taught publicly since 2010. heron is the owner of sojourner whole life nope, Whole Earth Provisions, Metaphysical Shop, a Reiki master, tarot diviner, and clairvoyant specializing in past life retrieval. She writes a blog, Witch on Fire, and Pathos Pagan, and regularly lectures at local universities, festivals, and conferences. And so she could explain it much better than I just did. Welcome, Heron. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being on. I'm so excited to talk to you, um, truly. So just before I even get into, tell us about, you have a new book coming out, right? It's Elemental yes. Witchcraft. Want to yes. tell us about that a little bit? Yes. Ha ha. Ah. Advanced copy. Um, yeah, it's called Elemental Witchcraft, A Guide
1: to Living a Magical Life Through the Elements. Um, it's a, the first of three volumes in a series that I call The Pentacle Path. Um which introduces the the sort of foundation stones the theology the the ethics the you know the basics of what makes this path of modern witchcraft what it is and then from there goes very practical and deeply into what i call the the sideways of the middle world um you know getting used to where you live right here on earth it's um it's all based in the sort of typical three world model you know where there's the 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 heavens or the spiritual realms and the astral realms and and then there's the middle world of the Earth and I figure what better place to start than where you live right now right here in your gorgeous body, you know, um, getting used to being a human being effectively on Earth. And how do we do that? Well, if you have any alchemy mixed up in your practice, any hermetic philosophy mixed up in your practice, that's where we get Earth, air, fire and water and all the relative lore that comes with it. So working heavily with that magic.
0: I love it, I love it, because that is, exactly my philosophy too as of now we are on this earth and we were given all these beautiful qualities and abilities and attributes to do with so let's work with those until we get into those other worlds even use them to navigate so again i'm so excited about your book um i know you have quite a history of growing up in evangelical churches in the south and then muslim country you went to saudi arabia Mm -hmm. so how did you end up this little witchy in the u.s (laughs) good question yeah, so
1: I'm a Southern girl, good old Southern girl. I, uh, I was raised mostly in Taylor, South Carolina, which is just outside Greenville, South Carolina. That is in the shadow of several large uh, fundamentalist evangelical universities and things like that, like Bob Jones University. Um, so it was a pretty conservative um, Southern Baptist background for a lot of that time. My mother was very serious about her faith, which I guess is to her credit, except that we uh, disagree on just about everything else. Yeah. Uh, but that was raised in, and I quote her, the fear and admonition of the Lord. I know, fear and admonition. I'm being admonished. I'm a naughty little girl all the time. Um, And that's, but you know, she was a very loving person. I had a loving home, but that's just what they were all raised in. They didn't know any better. And then um, when I was in the fourth grade, about this time of year in the fourth grade, my father relocated my mom and sister and I to join him in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. He was in construction and he had been there for a little while and wanted us to come over there with him. And so from um, fourth through sixth grades, I spent in 30 minutes away from the holy city of Mecca. Wow! Right, and this was in the uh, early mid 80s. So you know that that is a theocracy. It um, Sharia law uh, ruled by a king. There are there's no bill of rights. Women have very few rights. Uh, Westerners um, not particularly loved uh, at the time. So it was sort of dangerous. Uh, I learned a lot about. Um, how you really, really, really want separation of church and state. Yeah. I came to appreciate the Bill of Rights, you know, and personal liberties. So, anyway, but I, we left in the sixth grade. I come back as a 13 year old, year old woman, girl. I was a girl. And uh, I have to say, it was very impactful on me. You know, when you become the minority, I mean, and look at me. Yeah. There's nothing minority about me besides yeah. my being female. Um, but when you are suddenly yanked from that place of privilege, you know, the American has definitely there's so many privileges to just be American um, in the West. And then you're you're dropped in a spot where they could deport you in a hot minute. They could just throw you in jail without a phone call if they don't like what you, where you're standing. You know, um, the, our religion of Christianity at the time was, of course, not allowed and so i learned a lot about mm, the necessity of these sorts of personal sovereignties and freedoms and that kind of thing from you know having been denied them so that was impactful but also i realized there's more than one way to live um that we all you know need to respect the cultures and identities of other people meet them where they're at you know you can't just run around imposing your way on everybody by the same token don't let them in you know, I don't really want other people to impose their way on me either. Right. So I don't know. And I got back home about um, the time I was in middle school. And I had some really transformative experience, spiritual experiences um, during that time. When a lot of people do. I think a lot of young witches mm-hmm. awaken to something. They maybe not know what to call it, but their otherness, their, their, a deeper awareness or a connection or something beyond the mundane that yeah. is. It happens a lot, I believe, around that time of Menarche, you know. Yeah. And um, and I also had one of those experiences because I was in a terrible existential crisis when I got home, because I did not, I did not believe, believe, I did not take it face value as a, this is a how, how you should believe of my, the, the paradigm, the Judeo-Christian paradigm as it had been taught. It just didn't feel right. Right. Never had felt right. And interestingly, and more interesting even than where I grew up. I have always had past life memories since I was a little kid. Uh, they were traumatic, actually. And I believe that a lot of my weirdness as a kid was actually PTSD from remembering how I died in my wow. life. And so that was also impactful. But uh, I was a man in my previous life. I was a soldier, and I died in World War One. I. I know this specific thing you exactly how it happened, but I won't. <laughs> I won't <go> <laughs> um, but it definitely gives you a different perspective on what spirit and life really means when you, when you remember these things so clearly. And so the messages I was being taught in church didn't make sense. You know, though it's a one-way deal, yeah. one way deal. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I was in crisis a lot as a kid, because I would listen in church quite often and it was a hellfire and brimstone church, you mm-hmm. know, screaming and ranting and raving and, you know, threats of hell and all that. And I'm mean, like, nah, nah, that just, and the one moving experience that I had in a, in a Christian church was when on a Valentine's day, this, the pastor switched gears and spoke about the love. love. And that's also, that message can also be in that, that tradition, it is there, but it hadn't often been talked about. And that one moved me. I was like, yes, divine love yes that part moved me and so for a long time i'm like oh, okay well there's this and then it was later when i was like 13 i'm like if that's true if all the hellfire and brimstone and damnation and oh of course the other thing of course is you know they were a pray away the gay kind of church yeah 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 You weren't allowed to be anything but and here i have memories of formerly being a man and I'm confused. <laughs> I'm a little <laughs> confused about all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, no. Anyway, I just decided that it, I just decided one night that it couldn't be true. It's was like, nope, this is not how divinity would be. The Divine love is the only thing that makes sense to me. None of this damnation stuff, I just can't do it. And I just decided if it's, because I was still in that all or nothing headspace that they teach you in these fundamentalist churches. I was like, well, I don't accept any of it so i'm not going for all of it so i'm gonna go for yeah. nothing and i was like well no if there's nothing then that's sad because i do have a sense of spirit and love in my you know and i was just kind of depressed about it i guess i was laying in bed one night and i was like nah, that's it there's no god there's no there's no divinity i'll just be an atheist and all of a sudden i feel like the full moon crawled in my window mm. and the whole room divine presence just filled the whole room i felt like i was floating and being crushed at the same time and i've come to realize that whenever i am in the presence of divinity that has awakened in that spot like you know when you do a good solid invocation and they're there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. feels like you're squished in a tube and ecstatic and floating in the size of the cosmos at the same time yep you know it's that now but that's the way i felt right then and it sort of paralyzed me and i could just hear this chorus of divinity in my head and it was ecstasy and terrifying and i was like oh and i couldn't move and, and i'm struggling and but it really felt like the moonlight the moonlight was singing to me and then i finally am like okay 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 i believe there is something and it all and it all went back to normal and i'm just sort of panting and i'm in a cold sweat and but i can move around and i sit up and i look and i'm like oh my gosh did the moon just come in my window mind you i'm 13 <laughs> and confused and i'm like okay that was crazy i did not that did not just happen and i lay back down and i'm like talking myself out of it nope i made that up that didn't happen and i'm here to tell you the whole thing 10 times stronger than the first time <laughs> rocked my world i was suddenly cast i guess i was both felt anchored in a in a frozen parallels uh, paralyzed body but at the same time floating throughout the whole cosmos and this like vision unfurled of all these things like i'm being shown and there was this sort of chorus of guiding voices and it just became this sort of question answer guided visualization thing of i don't know how the cosmos works and I don't know the future the past whatever and I remember I remember hearing hearing this voice and it's not like it had a an identity it didn't I there was no I uh introduction like hi I'm Aphrodite nice to meet you I mean that would have been really convenient but I didn't get that I got chorus and just uh wake up yeah,
0: be present. Here we are.
1: Do it. You know, that kind of an idea. Anyway, that's where I've been ever since.
0: That is amazing. And somehow that led you to a, an elemental pagan witch path, the singing choruses of, <laughs> I love it. So if with by the time I was 18, I found a book,
1: an early pagan book, one of those really terrible ones from the eighties. Mm-hmm. I won't even name it because I, I have them all. Yeah. Right. But it was the first time that somebody introduced the sort of Wiccan alchemical idea of earth is, you know, like mountains in the north and air is like atmosphere and birds and something in the east, you know, that kind of thing, fire and water. And it associated it also with Wiccan altar tools, this little book. And I was so entranced by these symbols. But for some reason, it never occurred to me that it was modern. I was so indoctrinated to the idea that pagans and witchcraft and magic were a dead thing of the past or a fantasy that I thought I was reading a book about ancient something or right. fantastical something. But I started working this imagery into some embroidery I was doing and artwork, and I started to doodle it all the time. You know, when it kind of captures your imagination, and suddenly you're just in it all the time. And from there... That, that It was so funny. So this is South Carolina in the shadow of some scary fundamentalist stuff. And I happened to be at an event. It was kind of like a Renaissance fair little thing. Mm-hmm. And I was doing this little embroidery and um, I still have it actually. I, I should I should have pulled it out to show you. But anyway, little embroidery. And all it was was a circle divided into quarters with a little mountain and a little clouds and air. But I had the colors, you know, and the fire and the water and a little cup. little little wand little blade and a fellow walks by and he goes oh nice embroidery so you're a pagan too and i went you know because Uh in my head in church pagans were devil worshipers they were evil people they were satanic right Mm because that's how they pitch it in the church right and i was like why would you say that and he goes never mind i'm sorry (laughs) You, you you i'll be over here you know and he he wanders on And he looked like such a nice guy, right? Like he was so sweet. He was he was unassuming. He had a great he had a great energetic feel to him. He was an you know an older person and he just seemed nice and I just all day long I kept looking at him like why would he ask me that? Why would he ask me that? I finally approached one of his friends, why would he ask me that? Because I don't know. Ask him. He's the wiccan priest. And that's the first time I'd ever even heard those words wow, really? Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, my mother raised me under a rock. Well, okay. Except for the fact that we went to Saudi Arabia, but okay. that was a rock we were underneath. And I felt like I just got thrown onto an alien planet, you know, finding out that these things were, anyway, I, uh, eventually we made friends and he was a great influence on me for a while there. He loaned me the classics, Starhawk's Spiral Dance and Margaret mm-hmm. Adler's Drawing Down the Moon. Mind you, those were either new or in their, like the 10th anniversary edition was out that year. Right. And there it began. There it went. That yeah. is, I was 18 out of the house. I, I went to college at Marlboro College in Southern Vermont to get away. I was like, surely there are witches in New England. So, <laughs> surely. Surely. And so uh, first thing I do when I get there, I see a fellow wearing a pentacle necklace. Oh, tell me about that. And he he loaned me more books. He loaned me um, Janet and uh, Stewart Uh the Witch's Bible Complete,
0: and uh, a couple other things. Anyway, we got to talking. Anyway, that's that's been me since 18. That is beautiful, and you are so public with it. And you have you have your own cl- school. You have your own classroom. So uh, that's amazing. So one of the questions I see that you have, what is in your book? You introduce the Witch's Jewel of Power now. I don't know what that is. What is the witch's jewel of power?
1: Okay, well, it is it is a thing that I am introducing to to the witchery for mm. your review and consideration. I love it. It is a progression of um, some symbolic systems around the elements that have long existed. Uh, you may have heard of it referred to as um, the 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 four powers of the Sphinx or the Sphinx. The powers of the magus those were from lfs levi mm, yeah yeah, yeah. that in transcendental magic and then later once it sort of merged with modern witchcraft it was referred to often as the witch's pyramid christopher penzac for example yes talks yes pyramid. so once it got into wicca and it was made into a pyramid that allowed for the top point which was assigned to spirit much like you know the pentacle has five points and the spirit points so let's put that on a pyramid also and then in uh, every book I read in the 90s and aughts uh, that mentioned it, spirit was, what was its lesson? Oh, so to back up the four corners, you know, to know, to will, to dare, to be silent or to keep silent. So those were the uh, maxims of magic yeah. to create. And um, the top point, what spirit was added, what's the maxim, what's the the message of spirit? And it was the Wiccan read, you know? Mm-hmm. Do as you will, so as you harm none where you want to phrase that okay so i loved it i loved it taught it worked it um that was my symbol set you know okay so then i read a book by author timothy roderick now he's written the forward to my book thrilled Mm -hmm. to have timothy roderick write the forward of my book he wrote several great books I actually read them out of order, but the way the first one I read that introduced additional lessons of the elements was his book, Wicca: A Year and a Day in the Craft of the Wise. It's sort of a self-study program. Now mind you, I'm a self-initiatory, did it on my own path, which mm-hmm. And Christopher Penzack's series, The Temple Series, and mm-hmm. Roderick's books were basically my textbooks, among many others. but they each right. laid them out in lessons. So that's what I did with a group. It was like a book club thing, you know? Anyway, Timothy Roderick introduced the what he called the passive lessons so that the ones that we're familiar with to know to will to dare, cetera, those were the active or what I call the projective lessons, the the main obvious lessons of each element. But he's a psychoanalyst. That's what he does for a living. He's you know, clinical psychologist. He, he says, well, if The principle of polarity, which is also integral to all this, if that's to be believed and everything that has its obvious strength also has the polar opposite Uh lesson, they must be held in a range of polarity, there must be both sides, if. This has a projective lesson, it must also have a hidden deeper meaning that it is its receptive or its passive lesson. Or he referred to them in an earlier work, which I recommend everybody read. It's from the late 90s, but it's when he introduced these concepts. It's called dark moon mysteries. Hmm. It's great. Anyway, he called them if the main lessons were the soul spirals, the un mm-hmm. the word flowing. Spiral of energy, there must also be a Wittershin spiral, Mm -hmm. inward flowing, reflective inner lesson. So, anyway, he never talked about pyramids. He didn't try to put it in a symbol set. He just said, here's the flip side. And I found so much power in those lessons, so much power. And there, so one year, I believe it was 2012, I dedicated my great work of magic, which is basically, I set a dedication at Emil. And then I pursue that question or that area of magic. I practice it for the whole year. Wow. And I've been doing this for years. And that particular year, I was led by spirit to ask the question, what, wait a minute, what's up with all these receptive lessons? If, if to know has the flip side of to wonder, and if to will has the flip side of to surrender, and daring is to accept and to be silent or to resonate or set your own frequency. How do those fit on a pyramid, right? Mm-hmm. If there's an upward pointing pyramid. There must be a downward pointing pyramid, right? And if there is, what's the downward point of spirits got got to say, what's the opposite What's the opposite message of do as you will but harm none? What's down here? So I, I made that my dedication. Wow studied the heck out of it and I followed the thread back and I'm like where did this come from and it took me a while to realize and I actually reached out to Timothy Roderick via Facebook messenger because I had been in one of his study groups but no that came later I found him and I was like was it you was it you that put this information out there because I couldn't find that his stuff anywhere else in any occult book and I was like, was it you? And he goes, yeah, I introduced those for consideration by the witch community in a previous work called Dark Moon Mysteries. And as it happens, he did a little drawing on his Facebook and anybody who like joined his page or whatever, he put you in, your name in a hat to win a book. And he sent me a copy of Dark Moon Mysteries and it was already on my shelf. And he goes, yeah, that was me. I did it in Dark Moon Mysteries. I, I presented it there and I went and pulled it out and found it I'm like, oh, so, so basically spirit provided to me the source I was looking for without me asking. Wow. Uh, I know it's kind of magical. Oh, everything's
0: magical. Everything's magical. Yeah, me
1: too. Everything's magic. Everything's magic. Anyway, he, uh, so I worked that whole mystery for a year and then it occurred to me that if there's an upward pointing pyramid with projective lessons and a downward pointing pyramid with receptive lessons, and I had originally thought, well, like the, you know, like the um, the seal of Solomon, mm-hmm. or the 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 star of David. You know, it's a six-pointed star, which is made of two triangles that yep. intersect, right? The chalice and the blade. Yep. The upward-pointing one is uh, the blade, you know, and the downward-pointing one is like the chalice. And so in Wicca, when we do the blessing of the cup and we merge the two, it's like saying I'm reconciling my completeness within spirit. You know, I have my projective God side and I have my receptive goddess side. But I had been sort of facing them towards each other, right? Like they're coming at each other, goddess and God, get together. Through a lot of revelation and a lot of really cool divine stuff happening, it occurred to me as I studied the hermetic philosophies that they don't come towards each other. They are reflections of each other. And what do you call it when you put a pyramid flat base to flat base up and down? It's a new symbol called the octahedron. Would you like to see a drawing? I would
0: love to see a drawing of it.
1: Okay. So see that? That is called The Witch's Jewel of Power. And it's basically an octahedron, which is a diamond shape, right? 3D diamond. It's a jewel. And Christopher Penzack had always taught in his books, like Outer Temple, he talks about how divinity is like a multifaceted jewel. And he called it the Diamond of Divinity. And then I started really working with that symbol. Oop! I have a kitty cat who's gonna to try to introduce herself. Oh, good, we like kitties. Here, this is Bella. Hi, Bella, what a beauty. Bella Luna, because I adopted her on the full moon. Okay, go Beautiful. On. Anyway, I, um, I really started working with this symbol and and really, how does it work? What does it look like if you take an octahedron in that's like open wire work, you know, like you could mm-hmm. just, just the lines like that picture was, and you rotate it just so, so that you're looking down on it from a 45 degree angle, it will suddenly be a star of David, a seal of Solomon. If you were to connect the lines around the outside. Right. That's wow. Like. and all the old occultists in every old book talks about these mysteries by looking down on it, and it's a 2D thing, and it looks like the two intersecting triangles with the lines around the outside. And I'm like, I see that symbol everywhere. That just happens to be what an octahedron looks like if you flatten it out by looking at it at this angle. Well, I'm going to make it 3D again. And I'm going to add the upper, you know, the the upper mysteries, they ascend. The the divine masculine in the hermetic paradigm, the hermetic creation story is called the Pymander. Mm-hmm. It says that as the creation happens, there's there's a separation and the divine light and air and and fire, they rise, they ascend. And the watery, dark substance of the goddess descends. And as they part, there is this echoing cry as if it pains them to be separated but they rise she descends and he rises and then they fall in love with each other again. And he chooses to descend and join her. And she wraps around him in her watery substance and gives him form. And they be, so they, they were one, they separated, realized they were fell in love with each other. And then they merge again into one being. It's a beautiful story. I tell it in my book. And then I basically base everything off of that, but it's, they are a reflection of each other. They are one being reflecting each other. And they, they have uh, projective attributes um, that we call masculine just because you know right because they're aggressive and they're whatever they're thinking and they do and then there's the receptive attributes all this compassion and, and and molding of of the goddess but they are one being and everything in the world is created by their merging and so everything everything has the full range of all possibility the full spectrum anchored by goddess on one side and god on the other but it's a spectrum a rainbow spectrum between them and so anyway the jewel of power just illustrates that for me the four corners remain the earth, mm-hmm. air, fire and the rising from that point is their projective lesson this descending from that point is their receptive lesson and rich brings us to the question of what's the bottom vertice vertices what is goddesses Spirit lesson, it took me a year of very deep magical work and divination and journeying, and I don't know, my whole life's an open prayer. But um, I just I, I, I feel confident that the lesson is perfect love and perfect trust, the two keys to the temple. So the top spirit lesson is what do you personally need to be doing, right? How do I go about taking care of me? You know? yeah, do as you will. But harm none. Yeah. Okay. Get down in the goddesses territory. What does mama say about what How? What should I do? And she wants to talk to us about how we interact with our community. How do we interlace with nature? How do we interlace with other people? Uh, what kind of responsibility do we take? Not just for ourselves, but how we impact everyone else. And in Wicca, the two keys to enter the temple were in perfect love and perfect trust, or my preferred way of saying that perfect trustworthiness because it's about you and I believe that was the lesson so the whole book is basically laying that out
0: that I'm just sitting here picturing going that makes so much sense How, how, how why didn't somebody think of this billions of years ago so to me that means there's such a pure truth there I can't wait to write and I love it and who doesn't like jewels and jewels are about the reflection and they're about all of that that's thank you for that yeah. Thank you. So listen in, my people. Uh, we all need to get that jewel, the witch's jewel of power. Um, now, you, you mentioned back a little bit um, about Aphrodite. So you you say that the goddess Aphrodite revealed to you the nine divine love conditions. Yes. So how did that happen? Okay, so back to the
1: great work intention yeah. every year. Like I said, every year after Samhain, I, I sort of reflect back over the year before. And then after I integrate, and really sit for a bit on what I may have learned in my previous work. Then I start to sort of cast my eyes into the darkness, closer to Yule, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, well, what do you want me to do now? Inevitably, oh, it's like fireworks. You know, everything's magic. We just said that. Yep. Everything is like fireworks once you start living this sort of open, like everything in your life is an open conversation with divinity. You know, it's an open prayer, it's an open dialogue. So you're like, all right, well, what's what's next? What okay, what now what? And breadcrumbs just start landing, right? It's things just start lighting up. Oh, omens and synchronicities and my, things. Well, one year after I had done that one, um, it was this, so that was 12. This is 14 at this point. And um 14 was a 2014 was a very interesting year for me because i thought that i i did i well the message that i needed to learn was what do you mean by unconditional love hmm. because what what do you mean by perfect because that, that's some freighted that's some freighted concepts right there uh that's that's fr- problematic to to deal with in modern contexts. and i happen to have been at the time in a relationship and at that winter solstice um became engaged to be handfasted the following belting. So I felt like what I needed to sc- to discover that year is what what are how are we supposed to live in perfect love and trust when we are human beings, not divine beings, well, inherently divine. But you know what I mean, yes. yes. It's different when we're down here in the illusion of separateness. It is not it the is. same as being in the oneness of spirit. Okay. So you have to there are conditions. To relationships, definitely need conditions, but how are we supposed to behave in loving relationship with other people? So this was my study, and I also thought, well, I'm planning a hand fasting, so let's have a year full of Valentine's days. Won't well, that be nice? So I stood at an altar at Emont Alt with the full Monty of candles and poppets and bags and boxes and whatever. I did all the magic to embody love, to to learn about love human love not just romantic love all the love and um <laughs> and called upon the goddesses of love grace and beauty to aid me any of them hey goddesses of love grace and beauty and i named a few you right but i was like i would just i'm seeking guidance and inspiration i'm calling upon whoever wants to work with me and who answered was aphrodite figured that out later but uh, the following Friday happened to be the full moon on a Friday on exact Valentine's Day. So I happened to do some more love spell work with my fiancé to hope to road open any roads, remove impediments, blah, blah, blah. Right. Very powerful magic to our marrying. We lived in separate states at the time. There was a lot to overcome. Okay. Within three weeks, we were broken up. It was the sweetest, most respectful, loving disentanglement from another human being that could be. But both of us, over the course of three weeks to like two months, it was a little bit of a dissolving, but it was, you know, I love you and all, but this, I can't, this is not right. Bye-bye. You know, it was just this kind of, we're out. And I was so shook. So this is the story. I was so shook that it just ended like that. And, I, and I'm like, yes, and I agreed that it should, but, you know, wow, that I really just sort of was down in my, down, on I was depressed, you know, and I abandoned my normal working stuff, I wasn't really paying attention, I wasn't really meditating, I was just kind of being a big old bum, you know, just yeah. being sad, and I swear I hadn't there for a couple of months. I hadn't been in my altar room. I I mean, the altar is cold and offerings are dry. You know, I mean, it's just sad. It was just sad. And I'm just getting through. And uh, one night, this is the funny story. So this is a story I called, That Time Aphrodite Blew Up My Altar. (laughs) So I was, one night uh, I made dinner for my kids, nothing special, went back in, noticed that there was a crack in my ceramic top cooktop through the burner and that was a bummer next night i cooked another meal on a different burner did you crack through the cooktop when i come back later that's a bummer third night i go to turn on the wall oven wall oven is on the wall opposite my altar turned it on to preheat and i'm making little baby pizzas for everybody and i'm here to tell you the largest explosion a calamity it felt like a, it sounded like a piece of furniture fell down in my altar room wow. smash boom crash glasses going it, it was a big old thump Everybody comes running. I got two kids at that time that were like 12 and 10 or something. We all come running, have to turn on the light. And my altar doors, this this cabinet right here behind me. Yeah. That have a really heavy lock thing on the door, the cabinet where you have to pull real hard to get the door open. It's the doors are standing wide open. The contents have sprayed into the room in broken glass pattern that goes six, seven feet across the carpet in a spray pattern. All the contents from one of the shelves have been swiped out across the room, and things are crushed, broken everywhere. Wow! And I wow. At first, I'm like, the cat, Mm -hmm. you know, did the cat get in the cabinet? I just tell the kids not to come in so as not to cut themselves, and I go back to making the dinner. Here's the thing that's interesting. So I'm standing there, and I'm like, what in the world just happened? And I'm and i'm laying out the toppings and, and i'm getting my working my way down into like a clairvoyant state right like i'm really deeply thinking and all of a sudden it occurs to me fruit the kids need fruit and i just grab an apple out of the bowl and i cut it but i cut it transversely you know like through the fat part mm-hmm. where you can see the pentacle of the mm-hmm. same middle yeah why did i do that i never cut a fruit to eat that way i go the other way and I open it up and it's a brand new apple, just bought it. It's beautiful, bright, shiny red on the outside. I open it and it is rotten from from skin to skin. The whole thing is just dark brown. One giant bruise with the pinnacle shining up. In it. And I went, oh, and that's when the floaty thing happened again. I am suddenly compressed, like I'm in a vacuum and I am expansive and floating. And I lose all sense of where I am in the world. And I hear in my head the largest screaming chorus of things are not as they seem.
0: <laughs>
1: and I'm like, Ugh. okay. And I suddenly am I released and I put the apple down and I run back in the room and I look, there is broken glass all the way to the back of the cabinet. Right? So it's not like things smash when they hit the floor. And the, wow. The thing that is lying on the floor, and perfectly upright, right beneath where the the, the problem started, the, the the point of the spray, is my fire candle. The fire candle that I used at Mole and for that love spell. And as it happens, and this is the way I say a lot that I have learned things the stupid way in magic. <laughs> uh, here's what. Here's a story. So Dorothy Morrison makes a line of candles and there's one called red stilettos where she promises it's a love spell candle. She promises wild, hot jungle sex. (laughs) And I had previously used this candle in some love spell work. And then that, I mean, I was engaged anyway. It didn't need it anymore. So I repurposed it as a fire candle. Don't recommend that. (laughs) Just let it be. Find something fresh. But anyway, so this is the candle I had used in that magic. And it had been put in the back of the cabinet. And it pushed its way out and landed on the floor. And anything that was in its way was smashed and thrown across the room. I pick up the candle. I call on fire. Fire, are you, am I am I hearing that I need to be doing something right now? Applying my will to something? Or Anyway, I light it. And I'm like, fire, is that you? And my daughter from her bedroom, she's 12, screams, Bella's tail is on fire. That cat that was just here. Mm. I take off running and I get there just in time to see that the cat whose big fluffy tail is on fire has just jumped on her seat by the curtains. And my daughter rushes with a brave thing and grabs her tail by the base and just shucks it up really high and snuffs the fire with her hand. And saves the curtain saves the cat. She didn't get hurt. And I'm just standing there going, okay, I need to get back to doing things now are <laughs> calling me. And from that moment on, I return to the work. Um, okay, whoever's working with me, I hear you. What do I need to know about perfect love? And from that moment on, every day felt like I'm both being squished and expanded. Every day was like a machine gun of signs and synchronicities and omens. And the way I was taught what things are, the things that we feel as divine love, what what would divine love look like to a person? I would find out what it is by being denied that thing. It would suddenly be taken away from me. Some crazy thing would happen or I would, you know, and then I would I would feel so hurt or I would feel so, confused or whatever and finally i would say are you telling me that we need to treat each other this thing in order to feel your love and she'd be like yes you got it and we'd move on and suddenly that problem wouldn't be there anymore it would resolve and a new problem would show up it was comical how obvious it's like people were coming to my door just to teach me a lesson Mm -hmm. about all that time and in the end do you want to hear what they are preview yes yes Please. Love conditions, as revealed to me by Aphrodite, between my altar blowing up, which was in, like, June or July, I think, and the following maven, Mabin, Mabon, maven, of, uh, you know, autumnal equinox, was this. So, if I feel divine love, I have the resources I need to survive. To ensure my physical, I'm going to read you a little bit from the book, is that okay? Please. Oh, I would, yes. It's basically a list, but I'll just read it. Number one, the first divine love condition is resources. I have what I need to ensure my physical survival and comfort, clean air and water, nourishing food, safe shelter and clothing to protect me from the elements and access to health care. I have no fear of suffering. Two, affection. I have access to the kind of desired physical intimacy that I prefer to share with other people and I have no fear of abandonment. Three. Free will. I have agency and sovereignty to pursue happiness as I see fit and am treated with dignity and respect. I have no fear of oppression. Four, acceptance. I am accepted as my whole authentic self. I have no fear of bigotry. Five, security. I have safety on all levels. Boundaries are honored and privacy is respected. I have no fear of violation. Trustworthiness. I can rest assured that those around me and my environment can be trusted not to harm me. I have no fear of duplicity. Seven, expression. My input is registered and honored as a valuable contributor. I have no fear of disenfranchisement. Eight, authenticity. The outward declaration of any circumstance is the actual truth without deception. I have no fear of exploitation. And nine, reciprocity. There is a two way street of trustworthiness between myself and the world around me with mutual care that all beings have these nine divine love conditions. I have no fear of betrayal. Wow. So to me, that is divine love. If the goddess, see, I'm a pantheist, which is to say that I believe spirit is inherent within nature and also transcendent. Me too. I, it, yes the only obvious thing so um so if the goddess is everything they are also the food on the plate and the roof over your head and the fact that you get to cast your vote and the fact that you get to to make love with someone and they they are they are everything and so it's not just feelings we're talking about right and how are we supposed to interact with each other in perfect love well What she taught me is, and I call this Aphrodite's theology of perfection. It's wholeness. We are whole. We are complete. However, we are foibles. (laughs) (laughs) No, we are, we have to be treated as whole people with feelings and our ideas that, you know, our bodies, all of it is sacred and we're in a process of evolving and becoming And you have to accept people as their whole selves and then make sure they have what they need to evolve and grow as a way. That's what divinity wants for us. That's my idea. This is not a perfect world where these things are honored by other people. However, that would be perfect and whole. And trustworthiness, the perfect trustworthiness is to say that I I can only control me. I, I, that is the only thing I have. I can't make other people do what I want, but I can start with me. So basically it was a lesson of, if you want to see it in the world, it starts with you. I mean, that's how I can echo of things from other traditions, right? Be what you want to see in the world. And if you want to be treated and have these things start in your own life and your own choices and your own sphere of influence, even if that's relatively small, and do the best you can with your magic, with your choices, with your life, with your how you vote, how you spend your dollars, how you dispose of your garbage. You know what I'm saying? All yep. the little mundane things. Try to be that. Embody that. And the more you can do it and then share it a little bit at the edges
0: more and more as you're able, the better we all are. So that's that's it that was the whole thing. oh my god that is amazing i mean that should become a classic that should be something everybody has on their on their wall on their mirror their little morning affirmations because that is all what we are striving for oh my gosh i i can't look at the time i mean i have to look at the time you have to have to come back because now i have 700 more questions for you um but so will you come back another time very soon? Um, okay. In the meantime, I'm, I know my people as I am are just intrigued and want to know more about you. So tell everybody anything you have coming up where they can find you, your books, your teachings, your websites.
1: Sure. Well, um, the fun news is is that as of tomorrow it's not quite live right this minute but as probably by the time this goes live into the world as of november 6th my store will finally have its own e-commerce website Uh, we've only been brick and mortar before it was called the sojourner whole earth provisions and we're um in greenville north carolina we will finally have an e-comm site where people can purchase my book. And if you get your book from me, I'll sign it. Uh, we also have some promotional goodies of some posters of some of the diagrams and things in the book that are customized for this year or the coming up year, 2022. And we're making that available free with the book. It's called The Great Work Wheel of the Year. Nice. Um, we've got some other goodies, but also... Because my book is very practically applied, and there are many rituals and spells and all the things. And you know, the best part of witchcraft is that we get our hands dirty, all up in stuff, right? Yep. Friend, we have plant friends and stone friends, and ha- dressing candles and lotions and potions and waters. And mm. well, I run a store, and I know where to get these things, and we do sell these things best we can. Um, and I know people can should. Get their own stuff from their own local retailers. Please, go go find your local witch shop and give those people your love. But for anyone who doesn't have that as an option, we will be able to buy from my website, which is thesojo.com. t-h-e-s-o-j-o.com. com. Uh, and soon you'll be able to pre-order and get all the goodies from me. We've also got a lot of art and things from the book. I did a lot of the own art from, for the book. I've got my copies of the art made in various applicable ways, like candle wraps. You know, to wrap around the outside of a sanctuary candle, I provided some of that imagery for the spells. Um, all that stuff will be available. If you want to find out about more about me and the my book, that's heronmichelle.com. I also write for Pathias Pagan. And that's easy to find, uh, witchonfire.net. And uh, I have uh, some book signings and things locally if you happen to be in eastern North Carolina. Uh, on December 11th, I'm doing a, a book discussion signing followed by a Yule party with some live music at St. Anne's Chapel and the Oak Grove Retreat Center in Tarboro, North Carolina on Saturday, December 11th from 5 to 10. That
0: is fabulous. So everybody, please check her out, Heron Michelle, her shop. Um, Again, I'm excited just to learn more about you. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for sharing your magic. Thank you for sharing your beauty inside and out with witching hour thank you everybody thank you heron michelle thank you